Well, again, welcome. Thank you for joining us today on this fourth Sunday of Advent. We are on week four of a sermon series, Rediscovering Christmas. And today we're going to be looking at finding love in our differences. I'm going to start with a story. There once were two old farmers. They were neighbors, but they had been feuding for years now. And during all that time that they'd been feuding, they hadn't said a word to one another. This whole thing had started over a stray cat. One of the farmers started to feed it, then the other one started to feed it, and both of them thought that the cat was theirs. From there, everything kind of went south. They got really upset with each other, they stopped talking, and the grudge escalated to the point where one of the farmers redirected a spring so that it would divide their entire properties. Then one day, a carpenter was coming through town. He was looking for some work, and he knocked on one of the farmer's door, And he asked if there was something he could do. And the farmer said, you know, if my neighbor is going to dig a ditch and make that spring divide our properties, let's go ahead and just build the super tall fence right down the property line so I don't even have to see him anymore. And the carpenter said, well, I I can do that for you, but it's gonna take a lot of wood. The farmer said, no problem. So he went into town and went to get a bunch of wood in his truck. And as he was driving back down the dirt road, he didn't see any fence being built. Instead, he saw a bridge. A bridge had been built over that spring that had divided their properties. So when he came to look at this bridge, he noticed his neighbor is coming towards him. And his neighbor said, you're a brave man. I didn't think you ever wanted to hear the sound of my voice again. Can you forgive me? And he held out his hand. And the other farmer was super surprised at this. And as he reached out to shake his neighbor's hand, he found himself saying, shucks, I knew it was your cat all along. This story is a story that the singer-songwriter David Wilcox tells um, as an introduction to another one of his songs called Fearless Love. And that song goes on to tell a different narrative, one about uh, church protest and a person who's caught up protesting, remembering the story of Jesus teaching his followers that when a Roman soldier asks them to carry their pack, to go ahead and to carry it twice the distance that's required. The chorus of that song is this, fearless love makes you cross the border. See, the love that Jesus embodies in our world is indeed Fearless love, more than lacking any fear, the love of Jesus defies and it overcomes any fear. And today as we continue our journey through Advent, we're focusing on that love that Jesus brought into our world and into our lives. Now as a reminder of where we've been, the word Advent itself means coming or arrival. And this whole season that we've been in since November 29th, the first Sunday of Advent, is marked by the expectation, the waiting, the anticipation, and the longing. Advent is a season that links the past, the present, and the future. It's a rediscovery of what Christmas is all about. Advent offers us the opportunity to share in that ancient longing for the coming of the Messiah, even as we are alert and anticipating the coming of our King once again. Advent looks back in celebration at Jesus' coming, while at the same time looking forward, hopeful and eager to Christ's coming again. 
During Advent, we are actively waiting for both. And each week of this season, we've been focused on a different attribute of God's representation and coming to us in Jesus. Hope, peace, joy, and love. The readings that we get each Sunday of Advent tell us a little bit about a few of the characters of the story and details of the incarnation. And today I, I want to I take a, a broader look. I want to look at all the characters, sum it up real quick. And when we do that, we can recognize something really powerful. That even in his birth, Christ brings together a wide variety of people across so many different divides. Contrast. Look at this. We start with Elizabeth and her husband, Zachariah. They're old. And we have Mary, young, with her husband, Joseph. The young and the old come together. You have the prophets and the covenants of Israel's past and the fulfillment of those promises in the Messiah and a new spiritual future. Next, we meet the shepherds and the angels, the beings of earth and the divine, the physical and the spiritual. And as they head to the stable, there's animals as well as humans, the beings of creation. And then we meet the Magi. Now, who were these mysterious visitors from the East? We're not entirely sure, but we know they'd followed a star a long distance to find and worship the promised Messiah. Whether they're astrologers or some kind of rulers, the Magi are noble and wealthy. And they demonstrate God bridging even more divides. The Magi are highly esteemed in contrast to the low esteem that the shepherds were held in. But most importantly, the Magi were Gentiles. And in their inclusion in Jesus' birth story, it echoes the radical idea that Christ, the Messiah, brings salvation and restoration to all people. See, this cast of characters that's gathered by God for the arrival of God's Son on earth is far from the expectations that many of us could imagine and even further from the expectations of the people of the day. To us, they may seem like a ragtag bunch of people, but to the people of Jesus' time, it was downright blasphemous that all of these people, these unclean and upkept people, would be present for the birth of the Messiah. Could Jesus have united any more divisions simply by being born? I don't think so. He pretty much covered it all, and in doing so, Christ's birth reveals to us things about God's love that I really want us to think about today. First, Christ is love embodied. Now, the Bible talks about love in a bunch of places, right? God is love, and the Bible is God's love letter to us. It's a story for all humanity, and from the time of creation, God is with God's beloved children walking in the cool of the garden in the day. But when sin enters into the world and brings death and brokenness and separation from such a close companionship with God, God doesn't give up. God continues to work and to covenant with human beings. Through generations and generation, God works God's plan and promise of a Messiah, one who will come to restore us to right relationship with God. This way is Jesus, who's described as the groom, and we, the church, 
as his bride. The relationship with God that Jesus brings us into is a relationship of love. It's a reunion with love itself. The love that God has for us is very eloquently described in the fourth chapter of 1 John. I'm going to read you some of those verses. It says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son to the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. You can hear how 1 John tells us all about God's love. God personifies love. Love is God's very nature. And God has shown this love to us by sending Jesus. And when we come to Jesus, giving him our whole lives, our whole selves, we are restored to this love. We're fulfilled in this love. We live in him and he lives in us. We can count on God's love. It never lets us down. It fills us and it fuels us. It calls us and enables us to love each other. And that brings us to our second point. Love defines who we are and love motivates us to be who we are. Jesus brought this reconciliation and restoration to love himself when he entered the world. And then near the end of his earthly ministry, as he gathered with his disciples in that upper room for their last Passover meal together, Jesus tells them, a new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. See, as Jesus is teaching his disciples, he wants to make sure that they love in the same way that he does. And here's the most important part. How will people know that they're followers of Jesus? By the love that they show for other people. How will people know that you and I are followers of Jesus? How will people know that we are Christians? By our love. Love is what defines us. It marks us. It characterizes us. Well, at least it should. (laughs) The church hasn't always done such a great job of this. We as the church body don't always get it right when it comes to loving other people. It's easy for us to point the finger at some of our churches or some people who are Christians who get things wrong in a pretty big way. Certainly that's happened throughout the church's history. And we can all probably think in our minds right now of some churches and some Christians who are around right now in our time that make us cringe with anger or embarrassment at their rigid, unloving actions. But we got to look at ourselves also. Of course, none of us are perfect, either individually or as churches. But each of us 
can and should find opportunities, especially during this Christmas season, to show God's love. And God knows in our current climate and culture, we need it now more than ever. You see, love empowers us to cross the borders, to close the divisions between us. And you all know that these times that we're living in are, are so dark and desperate and divided. Our culture, our nation, our world, even our own people have multiplied the ways to divide us. The us versus thems is a common theme running through our life every day, and it's running at a pace that it's never run before. Now, this is no means an excuse, but throughout human history, there's always been wars and plunder and oppression. There's always been the weak and the powerful, the have and the have-nots. There's always been an us versus them mentality since Jesus' day and even further back. But sadly, it still exists today. And that's why Jesus' teaching was so radical. That's why God's love is so radical. Jesus says, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus didn't only tear down the walls of division at his birth. He continually reaches across the gasp, the chasms, that separation, exclusion. He befriended the hated tax collectors and the prostitutes. He even invited one of those tax collectors, Matthew, to be one of his disciples. He spoke with the Samaritan woman at the well, which broke several of the cultural taboos. He told his listeners that if a Roman, an enemy of yours, asks you to carry their pack for one mile, that you should carry it for two. One of Jesus' most powerful stories of this kind of unexpected love is the familiar story of the Good Samaritan. You all know the story. It's a traveler on the road between Jericho and Jerusalem who's robbed and beaten and kind of left for dead in a ditch. And a priest comes along and wanting to avoid the whole bloody situation, crosses to the other side of the road. And then an assistant priest, a Levite, comes by, does the same thing, crosses away to avoid the wounded person. And finally, a Samaritan comes along, sees the man, stops to help him, bandages him up, puts him on his donkey, takes him to an inn and pays the innkeeper to take care of him until he can return. This is a very relevant and challenging story for us today. And it's absolutely astounding to the people of Jesus' day as he's telling it. The Jews hated the Samaritans. Their racism against the Samaritans went back for centuries when the kingdom of Israel had become divided into the northern and southern kingdom. The Samaritans intermarried with foreigners. They established their own temple to worship in. The Jewish people of Jesus' day considered them an inferior race, corrupt religion, and they viewed them with prejudice and disdain. But this is the person that Jesus is holding up as an example of how to be a loving neighbor. Jesus was crossing the divide. He reached across the cultural, spiritual, political, and racial divisions of his day, and he's calling you and I to do the same thing today. He's illustrating the kind of love that we hear about in 1 John. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. 
The one who fears is not made in perfect love. Jesus' love is a fearless love that calls us, enables us, and motivates us to cross whatever borders divide us, to tear down whatever barriers are between us and those around us, to reach out above any disagreements that we might have in love. That fear that is driven out by love is the very fear that holds all of us captive in the status quo that is so broken in our world. Love overcomes fear of the other, the stranger, those who may not look like us or sound like us or share our same perspectives or experiences. So maybe, maybe for you, reaching across the divide in love begins in your family. Or maybe fearless love means making room for those who are in your neighborhood or at your workplace, or even for those who might come here to St. Michael. There's a humility in love, a willingness to put another person before yourself. And sometimes love means taking the simple step of building that bridge and being willing to listen without being defensive. Love is always willing to see someone else as you see yourself, as a beloved child of God. This is God's love. This is the gift of Christ. This is the very heart of what Christmas is all about. Friends, as we rapidly approach Christmas Day this week, I invite and challenge each of us to rediscover that overwhelming, all-encompassing, all-welcoming love of God. And now I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ, and to know that this love surpasses all understanding, that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen.